At a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, January 31st, 2024 edition. Happy Fed Day to everyone. Happy end of the first month of the year. And to celebrate, we have Luke with us. Are you celebrating, Luke? I'm celebrating three days in a row. We're doing a three-peat here, Justin. Three-peat. I like three-peats. We all like three-peats. And uh, do you have your dove hat or your your hawk hat on? Which one? I'm a man of many hats. Man of many hats. Bucket hats, usually. So it's a bucket hat. One side is dove and one side is hawk. There we go. Everyone does the bull and bear. Maybe that's the that's the Maybe hat the we should do. Yeah, it says don't go. fight the Fed on the back. Don't fight the Fed. Okay, I like this. So these are these are ideas. Maybe we need Invest Talk merch. Maybe. Well, maybe that'll come sometime this year. But uh, let's focus on today. Focus on the task at hand, and that is helping your listeners become better investors. Navigate you through these times, especially the Fed days and which uh, come uh, a lot of volatility typically sometimes good sometimes bad today it was bad we're going to unpack that data and that news for you i'm justin klein along with luke guerrero and our goal each and every weekday is the same and that's to answer your finance and investment questions mix in educational and actual materials so that you can make better decisions with your money each and every day now, we're going to run down the market performance, which there's a lot to talk about, as well as show topics. But as usual, we're going to hit our first caller question now. Hi, uh, Dave from Ohio. Hi, Justin, Luke, Steve. Hey, I'm getting your take on um, VFC. I own it. I'm down about 13%. They cut the dividend. Should I hold on to it? Hopefully wait for it to come back. Or should I just cut my losses and invest that capital into something else? I'll be waiting for your answer. Thank you. All right, looking at VF Core, Luke, and this reminds me of a, a lesson that uh, investors in New York City bank shares learned today: uh, is that when you chase a dividend, uh, and if it's super high, that typically means it's going to be cut at some point. That's what the market is pricing in, and that's what happened with VF Corp as well. And VF Corp, for everyone else out there. This is an apparel company, and they have some pretty well-known brands. One of the largest is North Face, Vans is another one, Timberland, Supreme, and Dickies. Those are the, the main brands that they, they own. And they've been down on their luck, Luke, down, what, over 90% from their high? And mainly this has to do with a balance sheet that is stretched and now negative free cash flow for the first time in a long time. Uh, and the big question is, can this get off the mat? It's on its back and it's struggling. Can Are these brands strong enough to power a comeback? 
looking at the balance sheet, looking at the income statement, their current profitability, the amount of short interest there is out there in the market, the market's telling me they don't think it can. It has about yeah. $8 billion-ish in debt on a $6 billion, $7 billion market cap company. It's tough to pay your debt load when you're not making any money. They haven't been profitable. They, they weren't profitable last year mm-hmm. um, in terms of their net margin. It seems to me like this is a classic case of you're losing out by not putting your money elsewhere. Yeah, this is is pretty high risk uh, because of that debt level. It just goes to show you that if you have a stretched balance sheet and if your business just struggles a little bit, uh, that can be the death knell of the business. Now, I, I do think there's some value in those brands. Maybe they have to sell off a few of those brands, right size their balance sheet. We've seen that many times, but that obviously impairs future earnings power. So, you know, these companies are in a, in a tough situation. Technicals are trying to improve, but every time they get, you got one higher, h- higher high uh, from the October high. You recently made a, another high in December, but now it pulled back. So it, it's kind of, it's improving a little bit technically, but not to a level that I say, okay, this is definitely going to enter this uptrend. It's a very tenuous uptrend, that's for sure. And that level of debt makes me worried. So uh, in, until there's a clear breakout, I wouldn't own it because this could easily drop 30-something percent. Maybe they eliminate that that completely. Maybe they come out with a, a, an earnings report that puts even more doubt that they'll be able to turn this thing around. And if that's the case, you could easily go down into the single digits. So um, yeah, I would take my losses, move on, keep on your watch list. If things can start to improve and they can show some uh, real improvement, both technically and in the business, maybe you jump back in. But uh, for the time being, I would stay away from it. Now, we have a lot of ground to cover over the next 40 minutes or so. Our main focus point concerns taxable accounts and how you can utilize them. Well, everyone focuses on 401ks and IRAs, and I think those are are very useful, but taxable accounts are underappreciated. So we're going to look at how big swing factors can inform whether you should put more money in your tax deferred accounts, like a 401k or a taxable account. So, you know, uh, tax efficient investing is important. And doesn't mean that you have to avoid a taxable account completely. So we're going to dig into that story. Also, we're going to touch on the Fed meeting. As I said at the top of the show, it is Fed Day. What did they say? What was the market reaction? And we'll dig into the the details of some quotes from Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell. We also want to touch on five new retirement numbers to look at for 2024. And if we have time, we're going to look at the demand trends within the EV space, electric vehicle space. So that's what's on the docket for us today. We also have voice bank questions. One is on what to do with extra money and then Virgin Galactic Holdings. I can't wait for this one uh, as well as we're going to try to fit in an iTunes view question on ticker symbol TGLS. Now, as we go to a break, I'll ask you to tell your friends and family members about our free Invest Talk downloads which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes. But the phone lines are open, waiting for you to call. So whatever's on your mind, money-related, reach out. 888-99-SHARP. 
every investor is working to build a secure financial future. Would this be an opportune time to get into annuities? Everyone's situation is different. Get your thoughts on CRM, Salesforce. And so are their questions. And I was just calling for your assessment of Blackstone Incorporated. To get your take on Chewy. Ticker symbol L-E-C-O. Just wanted to get your opinion on J.P. Morgan. Invest Talk hosts Justin Klein. You know, I'm okay paying a fair price for a very good business. Steve Peasley. It's a very well-run company. And now Luke Guerrero. EBITDA growth is significantly higher than its competitors. Are ready to provide their unbiased answers. Each podcast is unique and you set the agenda. I will. Hey, hi, Steve. 24-7, rain or shine, InvestTalk is made better by the power of you. Call 888-99-CHART. Let's take a quick look at your financial to-do list. At the top, make that phone call to the InvestTalk Anytime listener line. 888-99-CHART. Look, let's talk about the market today. It was obviously Fed Day, but that was part of the the news. That's what the headlines will talk about. But what's even more important were a few big swing factors. Number one, big tech earnings. You had Tesla down 2%. That was in regards to uh, maybe the Elon pay package that was rejected by a Delaware court. That could be part of it. Um, you also have Google down pretty dramatically. Uh, was that down about 10% or so? And then you also had Microsoft down a little bit. So the tech earnings definitely disappointed. So the Mag 7 today uh, on its back a little bit. Um, you still have Apple and Meta. Is that tomorrow? I think that's tomorrow. Uh, after I believe that's tomorrow, yeah. Yep. So those would be interesting. Uh, but those started the market down early as well as the loss and re, uh, ending the dividend for New York community bank shares. So kind of a, and they were part of the purchase of what bank was it during the banking crisis last spring? Do you remember that? Oh. They were part of, of, of rescuing one of them or buying some of their assets. And obviously that was a bad move um, because uh, <laughs> they issued a profit warning, a loss, and the stock was down 33%. So you had that issue, uh, both of those issues combined. And then when the Fed came out, they were a bit hawkish compared to what the market was expecting, which we'll dig into a little later. But um, overall, it was a... It was a reversal day from a technical perspective and to me points to more downside in the near term, not necessarily major downside, but certainly a pullback is in the offing most likely. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I got out of this day as well. Uh, Signature Bank, I believe, was the one that they might have acquired Signature some of those some of those bad assets for. Uh, but you know, other than other than what you just mentioned, I think justifiably and, and correctly the Fed, not just the decision that was made in terms of, of, of rates, but rather the language uh, around the removal of the tightening bias, which certainly is, is something that people were hoping for, but rather that going forward, the Fed alluded to the fact that, that interest rates will have to move sustainably lower before they're willing to start to cut rates. So that's one of the reasons why the market was pricing in as 
yesterday a 50-50 chance of it cutting in March, but Powell just came out and pretty much said straight to everybody's face, we will not be doing this. So uh, I think something that you and I have been talking about for quite some time is the market maybe believed that the Fed would move a lot faster than they would. We certainly didn't think they'd be moving as fast as some people thought there'd be as much as 150 basis points of cuts, which I, I and you always thought was absurd. So I think that's going to have some weight on the market over the next couple sessions. And, and as it starts to digest some of that, some of that change in, in perception of what's going to happen moving forward. Yeah, that was, we, like you said, we talked about that for a while, that the market was pricing in six rate cuts by year end. The, even though the Fed was saying three and uh, thinking that there would be a cut in March. Uh, and we know, based on history, the Fed doesn't like to use their bazookas or they use their, not bazookas, but use their, their tools. Uh, and they only have so many uh, bullets in the chamber. And so why use the bullet in the chamber when things are, are fine, right? Um, so it didn't make sense that the market was pricing. They're still pricing in, what, a third chance that there will be a rate cut? In March, I still think some people don't high. listen. So they don't listen. So, um, but yes, yeah, so that was kind of the the market reaction today. We'll dig into this story a little bit more uh, and those details of what the Fed, uh, what Fed uh, Chair Jerome Powell said. Let's go to Will in San Diego. Let's talk about Boeing. Yes. Good. Good. Good afternoon. Yeah, I was wondering if it's uh, a good entry point for Boeing at this uh, at this stage of the game. Uh, what did I send? I actually sent you, uh, Luke, an article earlier today in regards to Boeing. And it was basically how the McDonald's-Douglas merger uh, back in the late 90s uh, kind of set up the fiasco for um, the, the 737 MAX. Um, a lot of their management teams, uh, McDonald's-Douglas, uh, came in and kind of um, put less focus on the end product and safety. Um, and more on streamlining profitability. And so I've said this for a while, Boeing needs to clean house. Their leadership team needs to go. They continue to drive that, that company uh, into worse and worse situations. Uh, and ultimately, as you saw with this recent crisis, uh, it's putting passenger, pass, passengers at risk. So until there's a true cleaning house of Boeing of the management team, I'm not touching this name. I think it is uh, horribly run. It's been horribly run for many years. I agree a little bit. In the near term, I think probably you do not want to touch this name. From a longer term perspective, getting into the building airplane business is incredibly difficult. That's one of the big benefits Boeing has had in its industry is that competitive startups don't tend to make airplanes. But to Justin's point, you can only ride that wave for so long. So until there's some serious governance changes at this company, I wouldn't buy in. And Boeing has been losing market share to Airbus for many years now. And now the majority of planes in the sky are Airbus, where it used to be Boeing dominated. And so this leadership team has driven this business into the ground, pun intended, I guess. Um, and, and, and certainly it still has advantages. Can, can it get up off the mat? Sure, it could, but it needs new leadership. And until then, I'm not touching Boeing. Now, as we go to a break, let me remind you to check out our new Invest Talk Classroom series, episode 16, titled The Residential Housing Market in 2024, is there for you over on our YouTube channel. Luke and I talk about the current dynamics in the housing market. And the phone lines are open, waiting for your questions at 888-99-CHART. 
Every investor is working to build a secure financial future. How they get there and when they get there, that depends on many variables. The more you learn about how the market works, the better your chances. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Now our main focus point concerns this question, can a taxable account beat a 401k? Now Luke, for most people, they try to get money into tax deferred vehicles like 401ks, IRAs. Obviously IRAs are nice, you can invest in kind of anything you want pretty much. Uh, but the amount you can put in is fairly limited each year. Where a 401k, you can put a lot more in, you get company matches, uh, but you're, it's really up to your, your company as to how much choice you have when it comes to investments, uh, the cost of those choices, the administration, administration costs. I don't know if you, anyone knows this, but employers can either pass along the administration costs to employees or they can eat it and they can pay for it themselves. So that can be a big swing factor in whether you put money into uh, an IRA, uh, a 401k, or maybe your 401k is terrible and you max out your IRA and you the rest you put into a taxable account where you can do tax loss selling, for example. So most people they tend to ignore a taxable account and, and as, as a place to, to put money because it's not tax sheltered. But there are good things that come out of that as well, Luke. Yeah, you ignore taxable accounts at your own peril. I think the key, the key lesson here is, is not, or at least one of the first lessons, is that not all 401k plans are made equally. So yeah. some people are lucky enough that they have excellent options not just from, or rather they have excellent options from which to choose to invest their funds and they have significant employee, uh, employer contribution matches. So I think so much as you get a good employee contribution match, that's certainly reason enough to uh, put that minimum. To, to put that, exactly, minimum in your 401k. Because at the end of the day, you and I know this, uh, probably a lot of people know this as well, is that employers can be sued if they don't have sufficient options for their 401k plan. So certainly some 401k plans are better in terms of the offerings, but employers are incentivized not to have absolutely horrendous offering choices in their 401k plans generally. So working to get that match is certainly a good thing, but don't forget the benefits of taxable accounts. I was reading an article the other day, uh, which I kind of agree with, that due to the types of vehicles you can invest in now, the tax efficiency of ETFs in normal brokerage accounts, the benefits of investing in a tax-deferred account are kind of minimal now. Because if you think about it, you're paying more than just the taxes, you know, or or rather you're saving on the taxes in those tax-deferred accounts, but you also are locking up that cash for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And if you want the money out, you pay a 10% penalty. If you want the pet money out, you pay a 10% penalty. So what happens if you've invested all this capital and a great business opportunity comes around, you need cash in order to invest in that business opportunity, but all of it's tied up in a tax-deferred account, you either eat the penalty or you just you just move on. So there is an opportunity cost as well to just tying everything up in a tax-deferred account. Yeah, and, and a lot too depends on the tax bracket that you are in when you contribute as well as when you withdraw. So uh, if you're in a low tax bracket, the savings you get for contributing to a traditional 401k or IRA, not that great, right? Versus 
maybe when you're older and maybe, you know, what is your tax bracket then uh, in retirement? And if you have some money and say you're in a high tax bracket uh, and you have some money in Roth IRA or taxable accounts, now you have options to uh, pull money from and not increase your taxable income for that particular year. Um, so it's called tax diversity. And it's good to have Roth accounts and traditional 401k and, and, and IRA accounts, but additional tax diversity uh, can happen with your, your taxable account as well. So you know, you definitely have to weigh your options. It's not a one-size-fits-all type of situation. Everybody's a little bit different. But I do think that the taxable account is is underrated uh, as, a, as a tool uh, for saving for retirement. Remember, you can always do tax loss selling at the end of the year if you don't want to pay uh, capital gains. Uh, there, there are options to, to, to limit that if you do have some losses. Uh, and I always go back to what uh, Steve always said, which is there's good problems and there's bad problems. <laughs> Paying taxes is a good problem. It's a good problem. Because you made money, right? And and so many people do jump through a million hoops in order to avoid paying taxes. And I think it's certainly a factor to consider. But it just like anything, it's not the only factor to consider. And everyone has their own own situation to to to, uh, to consider. Yeah, I say well, I say it a different heading, way. I like I, I like to say that's not a very problemy problem. Not a very what problemy problem? Pro- problemy yeah. problem. Okay, that's a, that's one way to put it. Maybe we should put that on a bucket hat. Too too long. Maybe too confusing. Too long. Okay. Too yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well, we're just spitting ideas here. Well, in the next invest talk, I'll look into this topic: the new reality for investors. One veteran portfolio manager helps the view holds the view that we've been in a truly extraordinary period since the early 1980s, but things are now returning to normal. So we'll unpack that story and see how much I agree with it. That's tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein with Luke Guerrero and ready to take your calls at 888-99-CHART. In today's market, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance because it can help you achieve financial freedom. Well, you've come to the right place, Invest Talk. And Justin Klein is here now taking your calls live. So step up with your questions, 888-99-CHART. Hi, absolutely love your show. What I want to know is, is the space tourism the next big thing? With that being said, I know Virgin Galactic SPCE is doing some major work, did some flight testings. I know Blue Origin is also doing some great work. What do you think of the stock SPCE? Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Luke, can you think of a worse business than space tourism? Making shoes for fish. It's up there. Pretty close. But it's yeah. still not as bad as space tourism. Yeah, probably not as bad. There's probably some fish out there with feet. Um, yes, this is – there's a reason this stock is down 97% from its high. Peaked out around 60 and now it's at $1.77. Um, so is it going to go down another 
that's that's the thing about math. Just because you went down 97 doesn't mean you can't go down another 97. I mean, it's 22% short interest. Everybody and their mother thinks that this company should be worth less than it is now. I just I just don't see how space tourism can be. Maybe it can be profitable in the long run, but I just don't see it. Well, there is one thing about this name that's parabolic. And that is the number the of, shares. of shares they have. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> March of last year, it was at 282 million shares outstanding. Now there's 400 million in less than a year. Their shares outstanding have gone up, you know, by two thirds. Um, and that's because the stock has fallen into the low single digits, as I said, and they continue to burn capital. And that's the thing here. And I've said this before. Now that the cost of capital is something, it's no longer nothing. It's no longer free. It's no longer, hey, the Fed's going to sit at zero for a decade. Okay. These businesses, I call these Ponzi stocks, they are no longer viable. These companies will languish and just uh, dilute shareholders into oblivion as long as they possibly can. And then when they can no longer sell more shares, they're going to go bankrupt. And they'll probably be bought out of bankruptcy, but the, you know, any debt holders uh, will, will own the name. Uh, right now, this has $417 million in long-term debt on a market cap of $700 million, And it will likely continue to go lower, meaning the stock price. So, yeah, as you can tell, Luke and I, aren't big fans of space tourism, but Hey, we could be wrong, Luke. Maybe that's the next big thing. How do you reduce the cost of the materials and the jet fuel required to launch this thing, to make it affordable enough to have more than 30 customers? Change the way math works. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Change physics, I guess. Change physics. There you go. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's pivot over and talk about the Fed meeting. It was Fed Day, and we talked a little bit about how markets were expecting a hint at a rate, rate cut in March, and really the Fed didn't give us that. Jerome Powell uh, declined to declare victory on inflation, and basically what was interesting is last Fed meeting, they talked about how the six-month rate of change in inflation was at or slightly below their target. And that was true. I think the six-month annualized rate was uh, 1.8, 1.9%. And basically, they it was interesting because now they're talking about, yeah, that's true, but we want to see that for a full year. So basically saying they need five more months to see inflation continue to stay around those levels. And when they get closer to that full year, then they'll think about cutting rates. So to me, this was kind of like saying, yeah, not March, but maybe, what's the next one? April, May? May, I believe. May. That was kind of the message that, that I got. So I think it was in some ways dovish, but, but as we said before, the, the market had priced in a very dovish scenario, and I think they were just mildly dovish. That was my interpretation. That's, a, that's certainly a good interpretation. I think, frankly, if <laughs> being candid, I think that a lot of people at the Fed are probably surprised we are where we are. Mm -hmm. They had a historic rate of, incre rate, of rate increases mm -hmm. over the past two years. And 
they've had GDP surprises to the upside and unemployment surprises to the downside. Nobody thought we were going to be here. So I think that with the strength of the labor market and the heat of the economy, the growth is still there. They are very scared to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Mm -hmm. And so they do not and should not cut rates as quickly as the market perceives that they should because wage increases are still going to drive prices up. That's just how economies work, right? Mm -hmm. And so they don't want to give additional fuel to that and then have to start all over and figure out what to do. Because like I said, frankly, they got a little lucky with what they were doing, but most of it is luck. It's not that they're not equipped to handle this. Most of this is luck. Economics pretty much is a guess and check science, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't blame them. Um, maybe even May could be a little too soon. Maybe three rate cuts in the year was uh, a little bit far-fetched as well. Six certainly was. But I guess as time goes on, we'll see. Yeah, and credit spreads continue to tighten outside of today, obviously. Uh, and that means the credit markets are holding very well together. And you have equity markets at all-time highs. So what's I think they ask themselves, what's the big hurry? Why fire uh, a bullet when, or even hint at firing a bullet when things are all hunky-dory? Let's wait for a little more volatility. Maybe this New York City bank chair issue could be the next, I don't want to say shoot a drop, but something that would precipitate a, a, a risk-off. Uh, event to risk off environment. You know, we got that last spring due to Silicon Valley. You got that uh, in the late summer when the Fed or the Treasury started to issue more longer term bills and longer term notes um, and kind of took some liquidity out of the markets. Um, And and so that's kind of where the, the Fed is right now. It's why fire one of those bullets. And Let's talk a little bit about that other news, Luke, and that is the quarterly funding announcement, refunding announcement by the Treasury. And that was pretty much in line. We were talking about how that was, uh, in many ways, a bigger story today, but it kind of wasn't because the market had expecting had expected a certain uh, tenor to issuance by the Treasury, and they basically came in line. So I don't think that was a big market mover as much as most people thought. So it wasn't negative on the market. Uh, but the main negative was the Fed being, I guess, more hawkish than the market had expected. But I don't know. Um, any Anything else to add as we close up this topic? No, I think that pretty much sums it up. I think uh, the important thing to note is most of the time, everybody has this consensus expectation of what's going to happen, so it's the surprises that change things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just because there's a Fed announcement day, if, if it goes exactly as everyone thought, there's not going to be big price movements. But certainly yeah. a lot of people thought that we were going to see some rate cuts in March, and a lot of people were wrong. We yeah. were right, though. We're not always right, but we were right. We're not, yeah. And uh, like, as, as your point is, that goes with everything, is markets price in certain expectations, and it's not about – what the headline is, it's about how the headline differs potentially from that market expectations. And you see that in earnings where Microsoft had good earnings. You can't argue they didn't have good earnings, but the market had priced in a good earnings report and it was down uh, pretty big. Same with Google, right? So it's always about reality versus expectations. Now, 
Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we like to thank them for their courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. Dance a Mix, I like that name, Dance a Mix, says, I've been listening for the past four years and I have learned a lot from your show. I've been considering opening a small position in Technoglass, T G L S. T G L S is the symbol. Based on what I've seen, it looks like a good company with growth potential for the upcoming years. What are your thoughts and what might be a good entry price? Technoglass manufactures tempered safety, laminate, and thermoacoustic glass for commercial and residential buildings. Business is booming since the pandemic, Luke, but growth is starting to slow. I think that's my worry. They were growing revenue a year ago. Revenues were growing 53%. Earnings are up 124%. This last quarter, revenues up 4%. Earnings down 3%. But still trading at a relatively low multiple. Uh, it's an interesting one. What are your thoughts? Sorry, just taking a quick look at something. Yeah, I mean, it is it is trading at a relatively low multiple. It's on its five-year average, but its cash flow has just been steadily increasing over the past three years. Its profitability has been steadily increasing over the past three years. It's had remarkable strength over the past 12 to 18 months. It's got a low debt level. I kind of like it. Even though it's had this huge run-up, I kind of like it. It's projected to earn more this year than it did last year, which is always good. Yeah, my my worry here is the reversion of the mean. You know, pre-pandemic, this was a pretty volatile business. It had negative return equity in 2016 as well as 2017. It had some good years in uh, in late 2016, or return equity at 46. percent But it was kind of at kind of averaged return equity in the low teens, which is a good business, but not an amazing business. But since the pandemic. Its return equity has been trending higher, but recently it's now trending lower. Peaked out at 56%, now down to 49%, still good. But the question is, is there a reversion to the mean happening here? And if you look at some other metrics like free cash flow, that peaked out at about 82 million, now it's at 57 million, trailing 12 months. So I would have to dig into this business. The good thing I like is they don't have any debt. So they've used these, these great years to uh, make sure their balance sheet was right-sized. They're paying a dividend that certainly can be paid based on current earnings, and it looks like they're starting to grow it again. Um, so, yeah, I like what you. I, I agree with you, Luke, that the, the valuations look good, but they have to maintain at least a semblance of this type of earnings around the three four dollar range, and then it's cheap. If you get a a reversion to pre-pandemic environment when it made 79 cents a share in 2020, 69 cents a share in 2019, then it's drastically overvalued. The technicals are a bit weak for me. You had a big breakdown in July and August, and it hasn't recovered that high like the market has. So that worries me a bit. So uh, I, I'm kind of on the fence here. Uh, I don't love it because I see these types of businesses tend to mean revert and they don't get a clear sign from the technicals. Now the new year is off to a fast start. January is finished already. We're done. Tomorrow will be over. first of February. It's over. Oh my gosh. Well, that means we just have 11 more months until 2025. Can you believe that? Time is a social construct. It is. Who said that? Was that Elon? 
Well, I know Time is a Flat Circle was Matthew McConaughey in True Detective season one. Great, great show. I did, I did. That's the only season I watched of that, but it was a good one. It's good. It's uh, the only yeah. one you need to. It's the only one you need to. Now, um, yeah, this is a new market environment, a new year, and the big question for you is, are you prepared uh, to go into and, ba- and do battle uh, this year? It's uh, been a volatile, interesting year already, and if you need a free portfolio review assessment, that's what we are here for. We do that over the phone or in a video conference form, and all you have to do is send us a message through investtalk.com, and we'll get you on our calendar. Now, this is Invest Talk. Thank you for listening, and we've now surpassed 57.7 million downloads since it all began, and our work continues in 30 seconds, so hang on. Every investor is working to build a secure financial future. Calling for your assessment of Blackstone Incorporated. Everyone's situation is different. I just wanted to get your opinion on JP Morgan. And so are their questions. Get your thoughts on CRM, Salesforce. Each podcast is unique and you set the agenda. I'm wondering if now. 24 7, rain or shine, Invest Talk is made better by the power of you. 888 99 Chart. Hey, Justin, Luke, this is Art from Tucson. I'm calling in about Northrop Grumman, NOC. Do you think it's a good buy at this level, or uh, is it a pass? Interested in your thoughts on the company and looking at it as a long-term hold of at least a year. I'll listen on the podcast. Thank you. All right, looking at Northrop Grumman, I will say first off, the technicals, not good. They are poor, been in a downtrend since, let's see, peaked out in December of 2022, even before the, well, when was the Ukraine war? That was, was that beginning February of 2022? There you go. Okay. And um, this has been a downtrend ever since. And for everyone else out there, they're an aerospace and defense contractor. And so... They lost money last quarter, Luke. What's going on here? Why is it in a downtrend when we have a war in Eastern Europe and we have problems in the Middle East again? Yeah, no, that's a good question. And initially, when, when I heard Northrop Grumman was the question, I thought to myself, business must be booming because when we give weapons to other countries, we have to rebuild our, our industrial base, right? We have to resupply the Pentagon. And so I'm pretty surprised to see the cash flow was trailing off from 2020 all the way to the end of 2022. It kind of ticked up a little again in, in 2023, but profitability hasn't been doing well either. And you've seen it from, like you said, the technicals. The valuation is about the average. Uh, but again, I'm surprised given the dynamics, the macro dynamics of what's going on globally, that this business hasn't been doing better over the past two years. Now, my question, and this, if you look at all the defense contractors, many of them look like this, that you would expect them to be up after the war, but they're now in a downtrend. Is this the market telling us that there is a problem brewing that we're headed for with the debt situation and that defense spending will be cut? I think that could be a message. So I, I'd pass on it. I, I don't like it. Uh, I, I think there's better opportunities out there. Now we're heading into our final break. So get your questions in now at 888 chart. This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? 
Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Taylor here locally in Santa Monica. And you have a question about investing? Uh, yeah. Hey, guys. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. Uh, I had a question. Uh, specifically, it's, it's an inherited IRA. And I'm, I'm just kind of wondering how to, you know, there's there's kind of different investment segments here, right? Because I think I have like 10 years to take out all, all the funds. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Mm-hmm. And so... But for tax reasons, I want to break it up evenly. I don't want to take out 100% all at once. And mm-hmm. so I, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, I think from the from a time horizon of five to 10 years, I have a good idea of maybe how to invest that. You can be a little more risky, but with kind of that money that I want to take out between, let's say, one and five years from now, you know, is there anything safe, let's say, in that two to three year range, or should I just put it in a CD, leave it in cash and, and take my safe, you know, four or 5%, whatever it is, or you know, do you guys have any ideas of, you know, how, how I could better leverage that or invest that? Yeah. I have no issue with kind of segmenting those, the amounts into buckets, if that's how you want to do it kind of over uh, gradually over 10 year period and anything that's short term, especially if you have that earmarked for something uh, in general, then I would, I don't see any issue with treasuries, for example, buying physical, actual treasuries. You could buy an ETF that holds treasuries as well. Um, so that would have very low risk, hopefully a treasury that's low duration, right? Six month, 12 month type of uh, T-bills. Um, but I would also think about it more in the sense of your time horizon uh, in general, not just that you take the money out, but what are you going to use the money for? Because you can take that money out, but then you can maybe reinvest that money for the long term, maybe putting it on your 401k, et cetera. So um, I wouldn't necessarily think of it as just the time horizon of when you're taking the money out. It's more of when you're using that money in my mind. What do you think, Luke? I agree. I think the bucketing idea is great. I think having uh, certain ways that you want to spend that money and certain uh, reasons why you're investing that money will help inform the types of assets you will invest in with that money. And you also have to keep in mind that one of the most difficult things about investing is you can make all the right choices, but so much of it comes down to timing. Mm-hmm. And whenever you withdraw the money, for example, you know, if you retired two months before uh, you know, March of 2009 or retired two months after two th- March of 2009, you had some completely different investing experiences because of a lot of that recovery being in the early spring. So keep mm-hmm. that in mind that you can make good investment choices, but timing is also going to affect your overall investment experience. So that's going to be that, that time horizon that Justin is talking about. It's not that 10 years. It's when you're going to use that money. But no, certainly I would create those buckets, things that you definitely want to do with it, things that you might want to do with it. So you have your necessities and your reaches and then assign different types of investments based on risk that way. And, and understand your cash flow needs. Just because you're forced to take money out of those accounts doesn't mean that that is a cash flow need. That is just simply... Uh, the government forcing you, um, just like an RMD would, right? Uh, at, at, a, at a certain age, uh, it's not necessarily a lot of retirees don't need that money, 
and but doesn't mean that money isn't earmarked for the next of kin, for example. And we talk about that all the time where there are clients that they have millions of dollars and they live pretty modestly. And this money, they, they're not really going to spend it. It's for their, their next of kin. Yes, they may be forced to take money out of that IRA when they're 73, 74, 75. But that money is earmarked for their, their, their children or their grandchildren. And so it should be invested more aggressively despite the fact that they have to take money out. Right. And that's kind of the same thing here where you're forced to, but it's more about how you should and are using that money. Great question, though, Taylor. I know that can be uh, challenging uh, to think about. I'm Justin Klein with Luke Carrero. This completes another Invest Talk program. We thank you for listening and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes as well. Independent thinking, shared success, this invest talk. Good night. Invest talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.